0: Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. Michael mentioned a couple things going on with the students, and I can tell right away this fan is going to blow my notes around all morning. So let's just point it out that way. For the for the people in the good seats up front, the gold ring seating right up here, you get the fans blowing on you. Uh, Michael mentioned a couple things in our youth ministry. Um, Sunday nights we've been having this. Bible study, brave girl for high school-aged girls. Last week was week one. It's at the Lanes House. You can get an address from the Lanes who are right over there. Wave to us, Lanes. There they are if you want an address. But we had, I think, 12, 14 high school girls there last night. So that's awesome. That was a, that was a great turnout. If you know of a, someone in high school, a young girl in high school that would like to join in, it's not too late, I don't think. I'm sure they would welcome you. Uh, Brooke, and, Brooke, not Brooke and Steve, that would be weird if Steve was leading the way. with Brooke is leading this uh, Bible study, so that was awesome. And then last Thursday night, they had a youth water fight. So the, the teenagers came, and it was kind of invite your friends, and they had 24, 20, 25, 24 students here on Thursday night, you know, running around throwing water balloons. So I love that our uh, students are kind of leading the way here. If you have students, we'd love to have you get plugged in. No youth this Thursday night, but next Thursday. Love to have you get involved. And then we also have kids going on, kids ministry. So I love that the younger generation is leading the way here at Homestead. Um, We are continuing part seven the fruit of the Spirit. Anyone getting tired of the fruit of the Spirit yet? I think we're doing good. We're doing good. Um, We've got a few more weeks in the summer. We'll be wrapping this up in a couple of weeks. Today we're looking at the fruit of goodness. Goodness. Now, if you're looking for where to read about these fruit of the Spirit, it's in Galatians chapter 5, and I've said this a number of times. This is essentially fruit being what we should see in our lives as we stay connected to Jesus Christ. Um, we tend to think of Christianity as learning all sorts of different behaviors and learning the things that are right and wrong. What Scripture spells it out, as you spend time with Jesus, as you get to know him in prayer, as you spend time reading his word, you will see these things start to be evident in your life. You'll see an increase of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And today we are talking about goodness. And as I was studying this week, when I was thinking about goodness, goodness. When I think about, okay, what is good? Um, The other fruit have been fairly, you know, pretty definitive. As far as when I say patience, you kind of know what I'm talking about. You know what it means to be patient. When I say joy, you know kind of what it means to be joyful or kind. We might not do those things, but at least when I say them, we know kind of what I'm talking about. When I say something is good or goodness, what do you think of? It's kind of more... Vague. It's kind of a moving target. In our world today, if you ask someone, what is good? If you ask 10 people, what's a good way to live? How do you live with goodness? What's a good way to live? You would get 10 different answers. It's, it's somewhat based on personal preference. I was thinking of some examples this week. If we all go to see a movie together and we come out and we say, was that a good movie or not? You know, we'd have some people say, yay, good movie, others not, based on personal preference, um, going to a restaurant. In our house, we have um, a discrepancy as far as if food is good, not like tasty good, but if it's still good, like spoiled or not. Um, I tend to see the expiration date as kind of a suggestion, so I'll kind of give it a good smell. I'll be like, I think it's still good, right? Have you ever done that? I think this is still good. We'll fry it up fry out all those germs if they're in there, right? It's still good. This comes from my parents, especially since they've moved overseas to be missionaries in Africa. There was one time we were visiting um, and we were having a cup of coffee and my mother poured out the cream and it came out kind of in chunks. And she's like, the same word. Oh, it's still good. You just swirled it around in there and got got all, broke up all those chunks. And Christy was just like, oh my goodness, Christy, if we're anywhere near the expiration date, she's like, she's throwing this thing in the incinerator down the disposal, like get rid of it. It's not good anymore. We tend to have different ideas about what is good. I used to do uh, specifically music in church. And if you are the music director in a church, you hear from everybody in the church about their opinions about what music is good and what is not. And so I would have people come and say, the, the music you do here is not very good. I said, really? And they said, yeah, you need to do this other kind of music that's better. And I said, oh, you mean you like it better? And they like, no. It's better. Like It's like they're, they're definitive about what is good and what is not. And certainly that applies to every area of life. If you hear someone, maybe you've been to a funeral and they, they said he lived a good life. He lived a good life. Well, what does that mean? That could mean any number of things, Um, any number of things. But goodness is one of these fruit of the Spirit. And as we live connected to Jesus, just like the other ones, we are going to see an increase of goodness. We will simply, uh, simply put, we will be good people. So what does that mean? What does that mean? We're going to look at that today, and to illustrate this, we're going to look at a story in the book of Luke. If you want to follow along in a Bible in front of you there, the book of Luke chapter 10. This is a fairly well-known story. Uh, it's It's a story that Jesus told to the group of people that were following him, and it's known as the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, found in Luke chapter 10. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 10. It's about 12 verses here of this story. The words will be on the screen or you can follow along in a Bible. Luke chapter 10, and I'll be reading from the NLT translation today, which is a little bit different than the one you've got in front of you there. Luke 10 verse 25 says this. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Remember, the Pharisees are all these religious people that were always trying to trick Jesus. So one stood up, test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, right. Ding, ding, ding. You got it right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This is where he's trying to trick him. And Jesus replied with a story, and here's where he starts to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, or otherwise known as a Levite, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then, a despised Samaritan, remember, Samaritans are the group of people that everybody hated especially the religious leaders. A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And that's the end of the story. And then Jesus says, Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. And this is known as the Good Samaritan. I found, you know, what we find in this story is it helps us to define how to have the fruit of goodness. If you want to be a good person, this is how you do it. So we're going to look at a couple of things found in this story about how to have the fruit of goodness in your life. And the first one is this. We have to know what goodness is. We have to know what it is, right? We have to know what goodness is. I've mentioned it can be very subjective. If you ask 100 people, you get 100 different answers about what is good, depending on their worldview. You know, we have um, a political season. We saw uh, conventions over the last two weeks. And essentially both sides saying, vote for me because what I'm going to do is good for our country. And they say opposite things often. And they be- but both sides believe this is what's good for our country. It is so subjective. So how can we look at goodness, what is good, and have it be definitive at all? And in this story, we find it. In our story that we read today, Jesus was asked... Essentially, by this religious leader, how should I live? What is good? What is the right way to live? Jesus says, what do you think? And he responds, the religious leader in the story responded with some scriptures we've heard before. He's quoting the Old Testament, the Law of Moses. He's quoting words from Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus had himself quoted those words on different occasions. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says exactly right, go do this. In this, Jesus gives us a definitive answer of what is good. What is good is based on God's truth and God's character, what God says and who he is, what God Tells us in scripture and what we know of his character from reading scripture and spending time in prayer. If you ever wonder if a decision you're going to make is good, if you ever wonder if something you're involved in is good, if you ever wonder whether or not you're going down a good path in life, you can use these verses as a guide. Am I loving God with my heart, with my soul, my mind, my strength? And Am I putting others before me? Am I loving God with everything I've got? And am I thinking about other people first? That covers everything. That covers our whole person heart, soul, mind, strength. That covers actions, words that we say, not only stuff on the outside, but it covers our attitudes, things that nobody else sees, our emotions. Our thoughts are these honoring to God. We tend to do a better job at maybe being good at one or the other, putting on a good Exterior, a good out, outward behavior where people would look at us and say, Oh, they're a good person. But inside, all sorts of bad motives and attitudes and thoughts. Or we like to think Have you ever known someone who thinks of themselves as a good person and inside they think, oh, I'm very patient on the inside. But outwardly, they're terrible. They act terribly towards others. In a world where goodness can be such a moving target, so subjective, We know that true goodness is anchored, is anchored in God's word, in his character, what he says, who he is. So if you've been here at Homestead long enough, you've heard me say, this is why I want you to be in the word, in the Bible, not just on Sunday mornings, throughout the week. If we believe that this word of God is our standard for how to live, how to live a good life, we have to know what it says right? We have to know what it says. We have to be involved in the Word. Every day, we have to spend time in prayer. That's how we get to know God. That's how we see His character, see all these fruits of the Spirit in Him, and we say, yeah, that's what we want to model in our own lives. It would be like, if you ever, if you ever remember as a kid, I remember this a ton of times, where I was about to go somewhere, and the last words my mother would say to me, she'd look at me, and she'd say, what? She'd say, be good be good. You better be good. How unfair would it be if I had no idea what that was, if my mother had never told me what being good meant, but she said, you better be good or you're going to get spanking when you get home. But that wasn't the case. All she had to do was be good. And I knew exactly what she meant, right? I knew exactly what she meant, how to behave, how to speak to others. I might not have actually always done it, but I knew what she meant. When we Trust that this is the word of God, and we say the truth of goodness, how to live a good life, is in there. We have to know what it says. We have to know what's in there. We have to spend time in prayer. This is how we will have a guide for our life. If we're looking for what is truth in our ever-subjective world, We anchor that in the word of God, right? We anchor that. We believe that this is God's truth. Goodness comes in what he says and who he is. The good Samaritan was somebody who knew what the right thing to do was. He knew what would honor God, and he also knew how to put others before himself. The other two guys had walked by. Interestingly, the other two more religious guys had walked by. And what's interesting about this story is the Pharisee and the Levite, they saw the man beaten up, left for half dead. They might have thought he was actually dead. And they had in their mind good reason to pass him by. They had good reasons to pass him by. The Pharisee, he would have known... That looks like a dead guy over there. And if I get close to a dead body and accidentally touch a dead body, he knows he's unclean. He's considered unclean for seven days. If he has business to do at the temple with all the other religious people, he won't be able to do it. He would have to stay outside the city for seven days. So in his mind, he's thinking, there's a guy, he might be still alive, he might be dead, but the good thing for me to do is to just pass by on the other side. He justified it. He had a good quote-unquote reason. Same with the Levite. He was involved in temple worship as well. Same thing would have applied to him. Both these guys, when Jesus is telling this story, he says from Jerusalem to Jericho, this man was traveling. This was a real road, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He wasn't just making up a fairy tale. He was talking about an actual route that people would travel. And everybody who heard this story would have thought the same thing. That's a very dangerous place to travel. There's huge elevation changes, lots of, you know, coming down treacherous paths, down, you know, rock, the areas and winding paths, and lots of places where the bad guys, the bandits, would hide out and rob people and beat people up and kill people. And often what they would do is they would put a decoy out there. They'd say, okay, this group of bandits, bandit number one, you're going to be the decoy. You go out there and pretend you're injured. And then when someone comes to help you, we're all going to jump out on them. This would happen often. Everybody knew this. Everybody hearing this story would have known, oh, yeah, you don't want to be there, that guy walking from Jerusalem to Jericho by himself he got what he deserved because you'd never walk that way if at all possible it's like getting caught in the worst neighborhood in the country at the wrong time everyone would have thought what are you thinking you don't want to be there and if you have to go that way you certainly don't want to travel alone because this is going to happen so everyone hearing this would have seen would have heard what the Pharisee and the Levite did and thought they probably did a good thing. And then Jesus turns the tables on him and talks about the Samaritan. The Samaritan knew what the right thing to do was. He knew based on what would honor God and what would put others before himself. He knew what would honor God with all his heart, with all his soul, mind, and strength. If we want to live lives of goodness, we have to know what goodness is. We have to read God's word. We have to get it into our hearts we have to spend time praying and worshiping. We have to allow his goodness to become our goodness. We have to know what that is. And the second part is to—we. it's not enough to know what is good. You have to put it into practice. So these, this Pharisee, this Levite, they would have known the law. They would have known the religious thing to do. They would have known what was written in the law. But they certainly didn't put it into practice. This is when Jesus says, Love your neighbor as yourself. That is, put it into practice. Don't just think all the right things. Model it. Be an example. Put it into practice. Put others before you. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're not living a good life if you're keeping all the good stuff inside. This is what Jesus is teaching us with this story. If you're just keeping it all on the inside, you're not living a good life. The good Samaritan didn't see the guy beaten up and just simply feel bad for him. Simply say, oh, that's too bad. I empathize with him. I have sympathy for him. He put it into action. He went and helped. He acted on it. Goodness requires an outward manifestation. And as we think about all these other fruit of the Spirit we've been studying, love, joy, peace, patience, man, all of them have They're very outward, right? I mean, goodness is almost a way of showing all the other fruit in our life. Patience is not patience unless we are actually with someone to whom with we have to exhibit patience, right? If we're never in a place where we have to show patience to someone, then our patience really isn't real. Jesus told his disciples, by this the world will know that you're a disciple. He's saying one of the ways people are going to know, one of the outward things you can do that people are going to know you're a Christian is if you love one another. All these fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, it has to be modeled outward. It has to have an outer manifestation in our life. So to simplify it, it is simply this. Goodness In our life is when others benefit from our life. Goodness in us is when others benefit from our life. Which means something can be good, even if to us it isn't our favorite. Even if to us it isn't, you know, technically a good thing. And I'll illustrate that with an example here. Several years ago, I think Lucy might have been like six or seven years old. Back then, the Jonas Brothers were a big deal, okay? Okay? And there was a free Jonas Brothers concert at the Mall of America at then Camp Snoopy, I think, or Nickelodeon Universe, whatever it was. And Lucy wanted to go—a free Jonas Brothers concert—and I'm thinking, this sounds like a terrible thing. Like this just so we had to get there super early, you know, sit on the edge of. We sat right where the swing, the swings are. Had to sit for hours. Crowds of people, all you know, all young screaming girls and bewildered dads wondering how in the world did we get here. Um, And then, you know, finally, delayed, the Jonas Brothers show up. They sing a couple of songs, and then they wave, and everyone's screaming, and then they kind of wander off. And I'm thinking, that was it. You know, I sat there all day. But Lucy was just over the moon excited. So as the dad, I can look at that whole day, and I can say, that was a good day. That was a good day. Even though nothing about that day really appealed to me at all. I didn't wanna sit at Nickelodeon Universe with a thousand little kids screaming, crowding all over me. I didn't care to hear the Jonas Brothers, but when I saw the benefit it brought to Lucy, when I saw it was a great deal for her, I can say this was a good day. I remember visiting a large church several years ago. Very contemporary music, very loud you know, lights and guitars, and you know very contemporary, loud worship music. And I talked to one of the older people in the church and I said, how how long have you been to the church? Oh, I love this church. He was talking about the church. I said, so do you enjoy the music? He said, oh no, I can't stand the music. And I said, but you love the church? He's like, let me tell you, I can't stand the music here. It's too loud, it's too contemporary, but what I love is seeing young people excited about Jesus. So he had this in his mind where this isn't I can look at this church and this worship environment and I can say, this is good because I see others benefiting from it. He can look at that and say, this is good because others are benefiting from it. Goodness in our life is when others benefit from our life. When I talked about joy, when I talked about peace, I said the same thing. Selfishness is a joy killer. Selfishness in us is a peace killer in our life. And the same thing, when we are selfish, It is a goodness killer. It takes away goodness. It has to be focused on others benefiting, pouring ourselves out for others. Our faith, everything about our faith involves outward focus. James, the book of James, it says this in James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. James is teaching everyone who's reading his letter when he wrote this book of James, be doers of the word. Don't just hear the word, be doers. Put it into practice. In fact, until you put your faith into practice, you really don't have faith, is what he's saying. If you say you trust God, but you never put yourself in a position where you have to trust God... Do you really there? Is the trust really there? Kind of like a tree in the forest kind of thing. Did it really make a noise? If your faith is never put to the test, if your patience is never in a spot where it has to be modeled or, or exampled, it's not really there. it's not real. You have to put into practice these fruit. You have to put into practice your faith. Be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. It's where we show our fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is there to begin with when we put it into practice. Think of a tree with actual fruit. The fruit is on the outside. I don't think the fruit benefits the tree really at all. It's there for, you know, growing more trees and to, you know, provide fruit for us to eat, I suppose. It's there for the benefit outside of itself. It's the same with our life. It's the same with our life when we walk through our life and we say we're going to live lives of goodness that are examples of God's character, examples of what God says. Think of your life as kind of like a a billboard for God's goodness. You're walking through life and everyone's looking at you saying, oh, that's what God's goodness looks like. That's what God's character looks like. Think of your life like that. How much more then do we realize, man, our lives need to be modeled by love and joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and we'll will continue in the next couple of weeks, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. If people saw lives like that, and they said, oh, that is what God's like. Wow, what a difference that would make in our world. The Good Samaritan knew what was good. He knew what was good based on God's word and his character. He knew it, and he put it into practice. He wasn't the, he's known as the Good Samaritan. He wasn't known as the Good Intentions Samaritan. He's not known as the guy who had a good intention. He meant well, but he didn't act on it. He acted on it. Let's act on our faith. Let's love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every action, every attitude. And let's love others like we love ourselves. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We need to remember. That God has a plan for the world. God has a plan to bring goodness into the world. Um, you might look around and you might think, man, this world is in trouble. So much violence, so much hate, so much division. You know, God, are you going to do something? What's your plan, God? You, you say you have good things for the world and God has a plan and that is us. We are God's plan. God designed it so that his church, his followers, his people would go and bring goodness to the world. This is how good is going to infiltrate our world, our city, our nation, our country. This is how it's going to happen when we, God's people, bring goodness, his goodness into the world. We are the plan. We are the force for good. I've heard the local church described as just a force for good. I I hear all sorts of other things. This is a a global force for good. You know, we think in terms of election. If our candidate gets elected, then good things are going to happen. That's got nothing to do with it. In God's eyes, we are the influence of good in our world, right? We are the influence of good in our world. When we put others first... And when we live to honor him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, every part of us, this is what it means to live a life of goodness. So this week, we're going to wrap up a few minutes early today. This week, I would love you to spend some time, first of all, reading God's word. I mentioned it. If we're going to have this as kind of the anchor for what we know is good and truth, we've got to read it we got to read it. We've got to know what's in there. You've got to know what's in there so you know if I'm making it up or if I'm telling the truth on Sunday mornings. I've, I haven't made anything up yet. but um, You've got to know what's in there. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time reading God's Word. Even read the story of the Good Samaritan if you want to just start there. Read Luke chapter 10. In addition to that, I would love us all to kind of rethink what it means to be a good Christian. Rethink what that means to be a good Christian. So many people would apply that very different ways. I know a lot of people who would apply that as, well, I'm going to be a good Christian by being morally superior to everyone else and let them know how morally inferior they are and kind of look down my nose at them, and so then they'll know what the truth is and they'll run to church on Sunday morning. Well, I don't see that happening very often. What does it mean to be a good Christian? It's what we talked about today, like the Good Samaritan. Rethink what it means to be a good Christian. Think in terms of what will benefit others. Wow, we get in such a habit of thinking in terms of what is going to benefit ourselves. But think in terms of what would benefit others. Spend some time learning what is good, who God is, who he is, and act on it. I would love us to err on the side of action. We, I, do this, I do this so often I'll be walking along, and I'll see someone who needs help, or see someone, and I'll think, oh, maybe God is telling me to go share my faith with them or go ask them how they're doing, and what happens? Instantly, I start thinking, I start qualifying, it. have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like God was asking you to do something, and instantly, all you hear is, ah, I don't, I don't think they're really, you know, I think they're okay, um, I don't think they want, they're on their lunch break. They don't want to hear from me. I think they're doing fine. Was it really you, God, or is it just kind of my guilty conscience? I don't want to, you know, give me a sign. If, if you want me to come over to them, have them start doing jumping jacks right now. Okay, then it's probably not, you know, for me, and I'm just going to go on. You, you, I, I asked you to give me a sign. You know, we get so... Familiar with just explaining it away, making up excuses. We think, oh, we err on the side of caution. Uh, I don't want to put myself out there and look stupid. I don't want to make Jesus look bad by coming across like a religious crazy person. I would love us with hearts of love and joy and peace. Thinking about honoring God, I would love us to err on the side of action. Okay? I would love us to err on the side of action. I remember two stories when I was in Bible college was a student at Bible College in downtown Minneapolis. And at that time, the neighborhood was a much rougher neighborhood than it is now. And I remember one day walking along on the campus and a, and a man came up to me and he had a story about, I need your help. My family, my car broke down or the tire went flat, whatever it was. I need $20 to fix the tire. My family's in the car. It's just, you know, I'm half a mile down the road. And I thought, oh, I'm a Bible College student. Yeah, I got 20 bucks. I didn't have a ton of money, but here you go. And I was like, yeah, God bless you. And he's like, "Thank you, God bless you too." And then I, then he walked away. And I was telling, I was you know sitting around, and I heard someone, you know, telling the same story later on. They said, "Yeah, this guy came to me and said he had a he needed twenty bucks for family in the car, and he said it was a, it ran out of gas." I'm like, "Ran out of gas." I thought it was a flat tire, and then someone else said, no, he came to me too, and we realized it was a big scam. So we're like, oh, man, this guy took us each for 20 bucks, and we're like, man, what were we thinking? You know, there was some, certainly some regret there. I remember a couple of days later, I was walking down, you know, similar neighborhood, and I saw a man across the street who was obviously intoxicated. He was stumbling. He kind of fell down and scraped up his elbow, and he couldn't really stand up. He was just sitting on the side of the street. And, uh, and instantly I thought, well, I should probably go over and help him. And what did I do? Started explaining it away. He's drunk. He's not going to remember anything. He's probably going to try to beat me up. I just got taken for 20 bucks a couple of days ago. This guy's probably going to want to do the same thing. I can't give the guy any money. He's just going to spend it on alcohol. All the things I started explaining away, and I didn't, I didn't do anything that day. I, I had to get to class. There was other things I needed to do. I was the, I was the Pharisee and the Levite kind of looking and saying, well... I feel bad for him. I got other stuff I got to get to. Wish I could help. Got other stuff I got to get to. This, I, I stand here today 20 years later. You know which one I regret more? Do you think I regret getting taken for 20 bucks 20 years ago? I, I don't really care. I, you know, it, it, there's not a huge amount of regret there. But I regret to this day not going over and helping that guy. I regret the inaction. I regret not acting more than I did, getting, you know, acting and getting taken advantage of. I regret that I didn't do something way more than the time I did something and it didn't work out well. I want us to err on the side of action. Have a good heart, love God, be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and just act on it. Maybe there's someone that God is trying to encourage with just an encouraging word, and you're going to hear this, you're going to kind of sense God saying this week, go over that person and just encourage them. Just encourage them. It doesn't have to be, you know, quoting scripture. Just encourage them. Maybe go over there and, uh, you know, share a scripture with them if you want. Maybe go over and say, Is there something I can pray for you? How are you doing? I just felt like I needed to come talk to you. What's the worst that's going to happen? I don't, I mean, I can't imagine. I guess the worst would be like getting maced or something. (laughs) But I highly doubt that's going to (laughs) happen. I really highly doubt that's going to happen. What's the worst that's going to happen? go over and err on the side of action. You never know what God is doing. You never know who God is communicating to, trying to have an encouraging word brought to them. You never know where God is saying, this family is hurting. I need my plan for goodness to go into effect with this family. I need my people to act, to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, to act out their faith, to love God with everything they are and to act out their faith. So be open to God using you this week. Be open to maybe hearing his voice. Maybe you, say, you would say, I've never heard God's voice. Maybe this week, just be praying about it. Just every day say, God, speak to me about how I can act out my faith. And maybe there's going to be a moment where you just sense something, that you're supposed to do something. I want to encourage you to just act on it. Err on the side of action and, uh, and allow God to move through that. You never know what's going to happen when you allow God to speak through you. You will lift them up and you'll also lift up your own faith. You'll be so encouraged by it. Let's close in prayer today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place, what you're doing in Homestead Community Church. And again, God, as your people, we commit ourselves to be your people, not just here at church, but in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. We want to be Uh, your hands and feet. We want to have the fruit of the Spirit evident in our life. We want our life to bring benefit to others. We want to live lives filled with goodness. So help us do that this week. Help us to model it. Help us to spend time in your Word and prayer, knowing who you are, and then help us to just act out that faith for others' benefit. And I pray each of us would have an encounter this week where we would sense that you are leading us and speaking to us to help somebody else. I pray that you would do that this week. Thanks for this time together. Thanks for this church. We're so excited for what you're doing here. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.